Hey guys, before we start the show, we had a glitch happen. Our microphone cord shorted mid-pod, so Owen's mic is chipping in and out. So our editors are, you know, going back and forth between the camera audio and the regular audio. So heads up, when you hear that, that's what's going on. But it's still a really good episode and a really good conversation. So y'all, enjoy the episode. Let's know what you think about it. Make sure you comment down below in Spotify or Apple. Make sure you follow us. All right, let's get into the show. Peace, y'all. The argument for affirmative action is that people that are not qualified should be hired. But the thing that sucks about it is that people that are qualified still get under affirmative action. That's the, the one thing that's my critique of affirmative action. There should be no lower hurdle for anybody doing affirmative action. But that's the thing, bro. That's what affirmative action breeds, to be honest with you. Because when you put such systems in place, it actually incentivizes people to just do the bare minimum to know that they're going to get in. The so-called affirmative action programs in place theoretically to provide redress for historical inequalities, such as the history of slavery that characterized the American black population some six generations ago. Perhaps a case can be made for such things as well, although they are associated with clear dangers. The most egregious of these is the insistence tied integrally to the claims of those enamored with postmodern identity politics that certain group-oriented aspects of human identity, such as race, sex, and now sexual proclivity and gender identity are sufficiently real and important so the judgment of people on the grounds of individual competence alone should be suspended in favor of ill-defined claims of social justice. I got into Harvard only because of affirmative action, but someone came to Denver, Colorado to look for me. A Harvard right. recruiter flew to Denver, and I met up with her at the Village Inn restaurant and did a pre-interview to get to to pull me into Harvard. I wasn't. I was pulled in, and the and the schools like Harvard and Yale that That's I got the, into affirmatively. Yes. And it was literally not saying we're going to take an unqualified person and put them right. in Harvard. Yes. We're going to take a very qualified person who we would never know existed and put them in Harvard. But the minute I arrived from my majority black little town, Montbello in Denver, to Harvard, the first like week or two that I was in class, my presence was questioned by white people. I was in this big conference class mm. where some white students stood up and said, those students, the black students, they're only here because of affirmative action. I had never had my academic credentials questioned. I had never had anyone question whether I was intelligent until I got to Harvard. And yet, some of the people I went to school with were far less smart than me or the other right. black folk there. Right. They got in because their daddy and their granddaddy. I right. went to school with somebody whose name was on one of the buildings. <laughs> You're going to school with people whose names are on the buildings, who are third and fourth generation legacies, whose parents pumped money into Harvard to get them right. in. Those people's affirmative action is A-OK -okay because those people yeah. can pay for fancy trips for them. Hello and welcome to Lost Over Everything Podcast. This is a podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it. I'm Alex. And I'm Ono Sinde. Today we have a wild card. We have a different episode for you today. And I'm excited, man. Uh, to, get, to get things kicked off, shout out to our sponsors, Narai Sellers. And shout out to our new sponsor, 
A lather. And now, before you speak about lather, whatever you do, what do you got to grab? Grab the Narai. Grab the Narai, baby. Whatever you're having for dinner. Grab the Narai. Caravan on weekend. What do you got to do? Grab the Narai. Exactly. Most definitely. You have a girl coming over for dinner, you know what you got to do? Grab the Narai, baby. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So, we got to introduce our newest sponsor to the show, a lather. It's a natural men's grooming brand that focuses on men's grooming you know what i'm saying make sure that the hair is all clean the, the beard is looking ain't, soft exactly the piss all ain't natural, smelling man all natural all natural products you know what i'm saying um they're made with natural ingredients mm-hmm, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so it's not 100 natural but i highly suggest checking them out so you've been trying it out which products have you been liking man i've been feeling the the body oil the body oil has been dangerous yes like it has this amazing and guys i know these guys are sponsors but like i actually love this brand because initially i was like ah, i don't know about all natural whatever but the body oil even the soap bro like the latherness because before i tried it i just kind of rubbed it on my loofer mm-hmm. and then next time i tried it because my old spice was finished i was like okay let me actually give this thing a proper shot mm-hmm. and that's the only thing i use the body oil i've gotten like a lot of compliments from it i mean um i live in a condo and we have like a pool outside and this one girl who's my neighbor Hug me. Shout out to the talent. Yeah, the talent I've been scouting. You know? <laughs> That's the only thing I attract. And she's like, oh my God, Owen, like you smell amazing. What is that? Like, what cologne is that? I was like, yeah, it's not a cologne. It's a, it's a body oil. So that definitely gave me a boost of confidence. And I personally love it. I tried out the Arctic Mist. I'm, uh, I'm trying out the Sandula Brosa now, which is different. What do you take, by the way? Like this Listen, time? honestly, I'm gatekeeping. I'm gatekeeping my my preference. You don't, you don't want other dudes listen, like listen, rocking the same scent as you. Exactly, exactly. You know worst, what I'm saying? Bro. That's the, the worst. Guy, that's, your cologne is that like fuck. <laughs> listen, it's for me to know and you not to find out. But listen, the the scents at Lather, almost all of them smell good. Every product is a banger. That's a fact. So, and to testify to that, they sent the products to us first before the sponsorship started so we could test them out and work with the products before we agreed to anything. And we tested everything out. Oh, we're actually a skeptic at first. I was a skeptic. I was like, man, uh, like, what is this? Like, what what are all these flavors? Like, everything smells. It didn't really smell good until you actually use the product, like the soap especially. When you smell it from the box, it smells good. But there's a different level of, like, aroma that comes out of the soap when you're actually in the shower and you're actually lathering no pun intended and it comes out and you're actually using it the body oil is just insane that's a fact it's i definitely insane. i'm putting the body oil on, on, on the planting and, 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 the, and the dumpling the you know what i'm saying you put on the plant, you're gonna be profiting exactly <laughs> exactly that's a fact that's a fact all right so so today's episode though we're gonna talk about something specific and you know have a bit of a debate because we realize that we're on polar sides of this topic and that topic is affirmative action yes you know one thing that's very interesting is affirmative action started um in the 60s and it's really meant for us to gain opportunity but what do you mean us us as in marginalized communities so in the 60s which was the marginalized community black men black men and women black men and women okay yeah. so this this was started to for because black people were marginalized mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so here's the definition let's define it before okay. you get started Affirmative action is intended to alleviate underrepresentation and to promote the opportunities of defined minority groups within a society to give them equal access to that of the majority population. So marginalized 
Marginalized community. That's the key word right there. Marginalized communities. It doesn't say black. It doesn't say white. Okay. It says marginalized communities to give them equal access to that of the majority population. You know what I'm saying? And you know what's interesting? We didn't talk about it from the from the definition standpoint. And I feel like one of the main points that you said, because actually to give you all context, this is the second time we're recording this episode. Second time of this conversation. And you know, I'm, I was excited to chat about it because this it's a deep topic. It can go many ways. Yes. So you can talk about this at, you know, the barbecue or whatever. It's never going to end. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And when we first talked about it, we didn't come at it from this angle. But from what I think you were trying to say is now there is equal access. So the use of affirmative action isn't as useful. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I mean, like, so we're talking about this definition right now, right? And what you want read it for yourself? As you... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I can read as I keep chatting, right? Mm-hmm. The key thing that came from this is in the 1960s, correct? That's that's why. Let's that's just what, Google and make sure. Because if we're talking about the 1960s, the marginalized communities, like let's talk about, before even going there, what are marginalized communities that exist today? Mm-hmm. They started um, under John F. Kennedy on March 6, 1961. Mm-hmm. And, and why did he bring it to, uh, to fruition? So. I think it came to fruition because of the disproportionate opportunities that were going to different communities, you know. And were those communities back then? I think it was predominantly white people um, in America, uh, North America. So it started off as like a race thing. I think it probably did. It's not. Man, it, it, it's either that or it's 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 either that or not. Actually, it's not just white people. It's I think it's white men, because a benefit, a big benefactor of affirmative action is white women. So a lot of times um, with affirmative action, the minority group is white women, so they'd be, leverage, they'd be leveraging affirmative action to get into jobs and different op- uh, organizations. So you're saying that in the 1960s, mm-hmm. affirmative action came to be because white men were getting a majority of the opportunities. Correct. And they put this thing into, right, into actual practice because they're like, you know what, we need to bring white women in the fold. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, we were prioritizing white women. To no, the so it wasn't just white women, it was minority groups, and white women were part of that minority group. Okay, but we both know that white women are not really a minority group because they're part of like a collective race to the kids. Because at the time, right, people, women were not even, they didn't, women in general didn't even have rights, right? So they couldn't even work. Um, at the time, like, women getting jobs, like, let's say, in, like, actual opportunities that are not being a, sec- a secretary or in an administrative position, you were not allowed to get into those rooms which were dominated by men in general mm-hmm. in America, which was like, okay, white guys who are doing it. So women in general, like the whole women's rights movement was starting around that time. So to bring women in affirmative action, it just doesn't make sense because at that time, guys like Martin Luther King, all these people, they're fighting for equal opportunity. That makes it that makes perfect sense for them to get in it because they're fighting for equal opportunity as well. 
So they want an opportunity to get into the men's spaces as well. So it makes perfect sense why both black and white women were trying to get into the workplace. Okay, sounds good. So we've defined why it started at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring it back to now. Okay. So what's going on now is like they've actually constituted that they're trying to remove it because they believe that... In schools. And, in now, s- and now it's probably going to filter up into the workplace. If Okay, so schools, whatever, they're bringing it into like the places like the Ivy Leagues, which people can't get in because um, of legacy admissions and et cetera. And affirmative action is actually allowing people to get into these schools because people who have legacy admissions, they can't get in because a majority of the applicants who apply, okay, let's say 80% of the people, your parents went to Harvard, okay, you're gonna get into Harvard. And then the 30 people around the world, you have to like legit file a merit. And black people were seen as, okay, you're not, you might come from a low income neighborhood, you might come from like a place where, you know, there's no opportunity to get like proper education. So if you are good, we're gonna recognize you and bring you to this school because you're coming from like a marginalized race, which is affirmative action, marginalized community, which is affirmative action. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, in this time that we exist right now, with everything that we have available to us, we all have the same opportunities to education at any level. You don't have to go to Harvard. Like legacy admissions are always there, but there's equally as, as many great schools as Harvard. There's, just because it's Harvard doesn't mean you should only go to Harvard. So Harvard is the only school. This is for many schools. Uh, okay, okay. So, so with that case, if you can apply and get to school based on your grades, why should black people only be the ones who are, or in this case, marginalized communities? If you are smart and you are capable, why do you need this thing that exists to give you an opportunity to get into these institutions. It just doesn't make sense in 2023. I can get it in the 1960s and et cetera. Why? Because at the time, there was a lot of like segregation. There's a lot of like racial tension at the time. There's no segregation now? I mean, like, let, let's look at it like right now. Like, can you go into like a, a Starbucks with a white person? Yes. Yeah, you, you can. You can go to school with a white person. You can work in an environment. You can hold a CEO position of a major Fortune 500 company as a black, white, Indian, whatever race you're at, if you're good, you're going to get that position. Mm -hmm. And it exists. There's Mm -hmm. many black CEOs. Mm -hmm. So to say segregation happens where there's a lot of tension between two groups, that doesn't exist at the same intensity it did way back in the day. Right now, of course, racism is a lie. Like every, I can say every community is racist at some level. Black people, oh yeah, like that's a white person. Black person, but oh man, like look at this, um, look at these black people. Chinese person, look at these. You know, like every community has some sort of bias against another community. So to say like one community is holding all the power right now and you cannot get those opportunities because of your your marginalized status, it just doesn't exist the same way it did way back in those in those times. Hmm. When it comes to getting a job, it's a completely equal playing field. Yes, yes. Okay, and we have to define what kind of job is it? Let's talk about corporate America, you know, because I think that's the best way to look at this. So let me ask you something. Your name is Owen. Yes. On your resume, would you switch your name with Tyrone with the exact same resume and expect the exact same answers when it comes to people responding to you? Yeah, I mean, like, if I know that, would I switch my name Owen to Tyrone? Tyrone Johnson. And expect the exact same results. Yeah. Straight up, bro. Like, the thing is, I think you think that if you have a black-sounding name, 
that that is like a big hindrance into you getting any opportunity or even getting a chance or even a call up. I didn't say that. Okay, Do you so think you'd get the exact same responses having a white name that you'd get having a black name? How do you find a response? In terms of application responses. Okay, so what does other response look like? So as in like you apply for a job yeah. and get a response back that, hey, we're interested in getting to the next stage of the interview process. So of course, and like and like making it all right. So, ten applications get sent out. One named Owen, one named Tyrone Johnson. You think you're getting the exact same responses from having a black name as having a white name? Yeah, I mean, look, if if I went to a great school, um, I'm well connected. Um, in 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 this market that we live in, you have my LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. they they look at your LinkedIn. They look at everything. You have experience. You were involved in the community. You were actually, you, in your role, you've actually done really well. Mm-hmm. I can go in your LinkedIn. I look at the recommendations. I see that while you're doing, you're active within your role. Let's say you're an engineer or your sales leader, and you're well-known in the sales leadership community. You create posts. You do everything. And I, as a recruiter, with the access of tools that I have, I can go and look you up and be like, okay, this is Tyrone Johnson. Yes, I get he's black. Uh, but look at his accomplishments. Look at his CV. He went to a great school. Let's say 4.0 GPA. Come Lottie, right? You, you did all these things. Honors. Why am I going to ignore that just to go for a, a Blake Davidson who is... Has the exact same resume. Blake, exact same resume. So you're saying that just because you have that name... I'm not saying because of merit. I mean, uh, difference in merit. I'm saying exact same. Yeah, you... Wh- why would you not get the call up just because your name is Tyrone? That's that's the that that is the question. Why? And I think that's where the nuance of affirmative action really lies. Is where when two people are the exact same, one person getting the opportunity, the other person isn't. So why isn't Tyrone getting an opportunity? Because of the biases that lie within the corporate America today. that people that have black names are not as educated. There has been studies of people who have qualified resumes and apply to jobs and don't get hired and switch that name on that exact same resume with the exact same stats and get more callbacks. So this is interesting because if I have a Tyrone Tyrone, uh, Johnson name, and everything that you said right now that these two guys are the exact same, they do the exact, exact same. same thing. They're on LinkedIn, they're visible. I as a recruiter, because we're looking at 2023, bro, right? Recruiters use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the new thing. So if I can go on your LinkedIn, I can actually look at your activity. I can actually see your work ethic and your experience and your knowledge supersedes any name that you have. You mean to tell me that they're gonna? Not, not every recruiter is using LinkedIn, by the way. The, there's how are they not using LinkedIn in corporate America, bro? Because that's what you just said. For sure, yeah. but you're applying the jobs, and what's happening is they're you're getting sent into an algorithm, and they're it's like getting hey, this is the resume, and it's just like name, resume, stat, 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 stat and you're and you're off to the races, bro. And then maybe once you get into a callback stage, then they start looking at your LinkedIn. Then they start doing the back work. It's not a there's a first off scanning of your of your resume before it even gets to that LinkedIn stage. So in that in that argument, you're saying that 
they're intentionally putting names in a database to ignore them because... because Not intentionally. There's a bias. But if, if it's a system, so is it the system's fault or is it like the individual? There's a, there's a systematic individualistic you know, occurrence where there's more... Listen, there's multiple people across America where there's bias towards black names. So if I have an African name, right? Let's say my, my name is like Makara, which mm-hmm. is like an African name. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a bias towards African sound? I'm not sure I'm about, about, about that because I'm not sure if the, I haven't seen any data on that. Okay. But from what they have seen is black sounding names versus white sounding names. And, and, so for instance, like, like Letitia versus Maggie. So black sounding names in this scenario because there's many different variations of black. Of course, so of course. we're both black with names. Exactly, but, right? Yeah, yeah. But just to really harness into a particular group because we're talking about black sounding names. Mm-hmm. Typically, black sounding names would be my last name. My, my first name is Owen. It's an Irish name. It's a, it's a white Irish name. Mm-hmm. But my last name, Osinde, that's an African name. Not necessarily. You, you want, if you, unless you know, like you don't really... So let's say... Yeah. Um, uh, like a like a last Okafor, mm-hmm. like common Nigerian, common Nigerian, common Nigerian. You know that's that's a black name. Like mm-hmm. you think, okay, bro, that's a black African name. So we have those kind of names, right? We go to um, other groups like which are black. So you have like the Latino community, which is black too. Mm-hmm. We have Jamaicans, which commonly sometimes you guys have very white last names too, mm-hmm. like, like Whitfield, mm-hmm. uh, Bob. You know everything. So there's there's just doing last names, <laughs> but I didn't say they're just Bob, right? They don't know they don't they don't know what Bob. Yeah, right? go ahead, go ahead. Um, but those kind of names, mm-hmm. if we're talking about black names, those are black names too. Of so, course, I'm so, not, I'm so, not so, saying I'm saying stereotypically black names. So, so you know so, what I'm saying? So black American names. Black American names specifically. Okay, so yeah. Tyrone, Jamal. Jamal is Jamal Jamaican or or is Jamal is a, a black American. It's it's I guess both. You know. So because your argument right now, bro, is you're saying that there's a system in place. So mm-hmm. you're removing human input into this because when you apply your resume, they scan for your names. No, I'm saying like the human bias that's actually present. Mm-hmm. You know, people are unfortunately biased towards people and will make assumptions based off of names mm. you know reading a book by its cover instead of digging deeper okay. all the time so in that in that in that scenario then we have to look at the whole hr scope people who are actually bringing these names into interview spaces typically what is like the persona if you can imagine a a hiring manager or a recruiter are they men or they women what background are they from and why do they have these biases and why, why are they in those positions? Because if we're saying commonly across all America and Canada that recruiters, typical recruiters, they have an affinity towards not going towards black names, mm-hmm. is that recruiters are being, the, the whole recruiter space, all of them have biases. And this is something that they get taught in school. Okay, you're going through HR. These are the ways to screen applicants. This is what you should look for and get the best candidate. So you're saying that these people have so much power that they can actually decide who and not to move forward with an application. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you so much for watching the show. We have some amazing merch live on our website right now. 
My personal favorite is the definition tee. You can go find it in the link below. And if you don't like that, you can explore some other products on our website. All right, so right now I just pulled up a study from Better Workplaces, Better World. And studies suggest bias against black names on resumes. The headline reads, the results are a bit disturbing. The researchers admit applicants with white-sounding names were 50% more likely to be contacted for job interviews than those with typical black names. Okay. You know? So when you take into a study into account studies like this, you know, and then you, you'll account for the historic relevance of America. And then to think that we are completely on an equal playing field, I think would be an ignorant statement. Equal playing field in 2023. Yes. So, bruh, this is, this is so crazy because you and I, for example, because I know you really well, I know your career, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of positions and you're black and you're smart. Mm-hmm. So did they ever think about, you know what, we're actually going to hire Alex because um, he is, because they saw your name. They saw you come in, or maybe they saw you on the Zoom call, however you got hired at the time. And they're like, wow, okay, he's black, but Alex Whitfield. I'll think that's a very common, like, white name. Very white name. Alexander Whitfield. <laughs> My whole government out there. Hey, listen, bro, we're, we're being... We're, we're podcasting. We're not saying Alexandre, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no. Right? We're saying, yo, Alexander Whitfield comes in, yep. black man. 5'11", broad shoulders, looks like he can bully everything. <laughs> looks like, yo, you're, you're, you're a big dude. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So they could be saying, oh, wow. Oh, like he, he's like big, scary black guy. We're mm-hmm. not going to hire him. But mm-hmm. no, they sat you down. They looked at your qualifications. They said they heard you speak. Mm-hmm. They heard you say what you know about um, advertising and, and marketing, uh, digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And they hired you. Mm-hmm. But at no point did race play a factor in that, hmm. as far as you know. As far as I know. Yeah. Now, there has been cases where I have felt like a diversity hire. When you look at the team and you look at um, the company around, it's like, oh, I'm the only black guy on this team. Oh, I'm sitting next to the entrance. Oh, the other black guy sitting next to the entrance off the, off the floor. That's very interesting. What's, is this something I play here? We're two different people on two different teams that we're sitting next to each other, next to the entrance of this, of this office. You know? I'm not sure. And I think one of the things about it is that it's, it's kind of a behind closed doors element. So you don't necessarily know. You know? So I could have been, and I don't know. You know? So that's how that goes. And there has been times where I have been denied um, jobs and opportunities just off the basis of being black or from being from a, a, a disenfranchised neighborhood, you know? Well, how do you know that legitimately? Because I've seen the energy switch when I mentioned where I'm from. Like, I was interviewed at Harry Rosen, for example, um, and in the interview, I mentioned where, which neighborhood I'm from, and it was like, oh, oh, oh. And I can hear energy switch, you know what I'm saying? So there has been that, but look, you're going to an individual standpoint when, I'm, when we're talking about a macroeconomic yeah. standpoint. And, and in that case too, bro, like you could also say that, not for Malvin, but they can also be- Who is it? Malvin? Malvern. Malvern. Malvern, right? Okay, you can say, you, you know Malvern, you know your own upbringing and background, and you know- it's as, if you're, it's, it's as if like you're expecting a reaction when you say such a thing. Nah. What, what, what made me such a reaction going forward was her reaction. 
Cause I, was, cause I said like, oh yeah, I'm from there, but yeah. So and you're then, saying she switched up because you're from Balmer? Yes. But and this is interesting, bro, because now if that is the case, or they disqualify you because of your race, then is it based on an individual thing where you go for these specific jobs or they do that? Because if we're looking nationwide or all these different places, not every person is like that. You know what I'm saying? But so, that's what the study shows that there is an actual bias. So that means so okay, so if there's a bias, but the thing is, bro, there's a bias for everything. I, what this is trying to what, what what this is trying to showcase is that we're trying to protect you from any kind of bias, and we're just supposed to give you like a free like uh, path towards being seen. Even, That's what you think affirmative action is. It's not what I think affirmative action, but in this situation, what I'm saying is that if you're saying that this is the study that's being showcased right here. And based off our experiences, you know, we worked in pretty high positions at pretty well-known companies. At all those positions, if this thing were to exist, you know what I would say? For this to exist, I'd be like, you know what? Every job I've applied to, I've faced this barrier because of how I look and what my name is. Then I'd be like, yeah, I we need affirmative action because holy crap, without this thing, I'm not getting ahead. But for me, when I look at my life and I look at everyone around me, we've been able to get ahead without any affirmative action there that's needed. Are we going to face racism or some sort of like prejudice? Yes, 100%. There's people who still live there, but a majority of the people who live in this in this era that we are right now, 2023, we're all, it's like a hodgepodge of so many cultures that we all mingle together in Toronto. Go to rural America, small towns, Oklahoma, Mississippi, commonly white towns. Yes, you'll face some like, you, you get looks for sure. But if we're living in downtown Toronto right now, the city where we're all together, like we're all in, you know, diversity hires and everything, where they actually bring, they actually promote diversity, there's no room for this anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's, it's unnecessary pretty much. It is unnecessary. It's it is, always been unnecessary. It is unnecessary. It's always been unnecessary. So, 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 why do you fight for it so bad, like to keep it? There, right. the bias is still there. Just because you're not facing it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. For instance, but I'm, but I'm a marginalized community, as they say. You're a single person. You How? don't. You don't have. You're a single person. Okay. I'm a single person. Yes. Just because we haven't faced it doesn't mean that other people aren't facing it. Okay, how many years have we been living right now? You're 30, I'm 29. Okay. We've been You're just giving all my information into the spot. Our, our fans, our yeah. fans know us. Yeah, our, they, they, they know they, us. They, they shout out to the team. They know, us, they know the fans. Okay, you've existed for this many years. Let's go. After 22, yep. you've been, let's say, 22. You graduated Ryerson in 23. Okay. You've been working for the past seven years at least. Mm-hmm. You have done well for yourself. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? I received that. You are saying? But there's nothing that's held you back from getting to where you're at, bro. And how do you know that? Well, look at what you've, you, you've done. I'm, what I'm saying is that you've been able to do these things without needing affirmative actions or these how do you crutches. Know affirm, how do you know affirmative action hasn't been a part of my life? Well, you'd have known by now. You'd have said, because every time I ask you, you're, you're nitpicking these situations, which could be arbitrary. No, I, I highly think I've been a part of affirmative action. When I look around, I look at the amount of areas I've been in. 
I can, I probably, I could bet money that I've been a hire from affirmative action. Like, like a token hire because you're black. I could, I probably, but I'm also qualified. So here's the thing is that the argument for affirmative action is that people that are not qualified should be hired. But the, the thing that sucks about it is that people that are qualified still get under affirmative action. So it's a that's the, the one thing that's my critique of affirmative action is that there should be no lower bar. There should be no lower hurdle for anybody doing affirmative action. You know, taking part in affirmative action. But, but that's the thing, bro. That's what affirmative action breeds, to be honest with you. Because when you put such systems in place, it actually incentivizes people to just do the bare minimum to know that they're going to get in. From a collective standpoint, yes, you're going to have the people who work hard, like yourself, who you've done everything you can, college, university, put yourself in a position to win, right? So now there's people who have gotten in those positions who did the bare minimum because they know, rah, I am from a marginalized community, let's say black, uh, I'm a black woman or any other kind of race. And just because I know- Or white woman. I mean, white women. White right? women are a big proponent of affirmative action. But not today. Yes, today. White women. White women are a big proponent of affirmative action. Bruh. This is the truth. In 2023. Big truth. Bro, you, you got to be kidding me. Do you want your mind blown? White women need affirmative White women White need women are a big proponent jobs. of Bro, affirmative action. Bro, they're the most action. protected people in this society, bro. This, this, I'm going to look this up. This, this so we can be sure. White women... But as you're looking at that, bro, what I'm trying to say is that those kind of programs and whatever. Vox.com. They, they, they limit people from actually working hard because they know I can just get elevated to that position because they have to hire. They have to interview me because of so-and-so to fill a quota. So it, it, it removes the, the driving force for you to work hard. And this is what happens in schools as well. If I know that they need um, uh, to affirmative action, let's say I worked so hard, I got all the grades in the world, I did volunteering, I was a captain of the football team, I was the, the ballet from a woman, I'm all these different things to fill up my application, I walk into class and I see, you know, my classmates, a lot of them are thinking, oh yeah, you're probably like an affirmative action um, entry, nice, right? So this person is now feeling, wow, I've done all this stuff, but they think I just got here because they needed to get black students in the thing. So as an individual, I feel like, man, this is so unfair because anywhere I go, they think that, A, I'm a diversity hire, that I got here with the bare minimum. doesn't mean I don't know nothing, but I got here with the bare minimum. They had an option to hire someone qualified, but they chose me because I am a marginalized person let's talk about that right and it's not it, it it just doesn't do them any service and my issue is that if we continue moving like this and when we have families and we're raising our kids like yeah look look man like you know there's all these different crutches in front of you that are going to help you advance oh you know like let's say they come to hey dad like i got um a c plus but you know what my teacher said, it's okay, like, I should still be able to succeed because this and this exists for people like us. So now they're thinking, oh, okay, like, I can just get away with just doing okay 
So it removes it. It removes the incentive for ha- to to compete on merit, and people like us, the marginals, we can compete to compete. We can get in by based on just being good, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why I don't like affirmative action because of what it breeds to the people coming after us that they don't have to try hard, or they can try hard, and if they try hard. They will always feel as if that whatever they achieved, whatever position they took, whatever C-suite position that was there, they needed a minority-looking person in the room just to fill out that quota, and it completely destroys everything you worked so hard for.、Mm. So it's like a double-edged sword.、Mm-hmm. You can work hard, but yet I'm still gonna look at you as if you deserve this because, hey, Sally over there was as good as you, but you know what? She kind of like maybe had two years of experience, but we overlooked that. Because we needed you, you know. Hey, kids get pushed this in school. Ah,、uh, well, if they hear this all the time, like, well, I see Dustin over here is grinding us hard. No, Dustin, look, man, I can get away with that with a, with a B. I'll be fine. Gotcha. So that's my thing, bro. Gotcha. All right. So you beautifully said. Let's address this: the white woman affirmative action. Then I rebut your point.、Mm. So Vox dot com reads headline: White women benefit most. From affirmative action, and are among its fiercest opponents. The Supreme Court on Thursday effectively ended affirmative action in higher education in a pair of cases concerning admissions policies at Harvard and University of North Carolina. The University of Texas Austin was Abigail Fisher's dream school. Fisher from Sugar Land, Texas, a wealthy Houston suburb, earned a 3.59 GPA in high school and scored at 1180 on her SATs. Not bad, but not enough for the highly selective UT Austin in fall 2008. Fisher's dream was dashed when she was denied admission. In response, Fisher sued her argument that the applicants of color, whose racial bi- bias, Was、uh, in effect, and their background were included as a component of the university's holistic review process, where less qualified students had displaced her. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit, but the the main point of this article, skipping down, this is a long article, so I want to save it for you. What we'll do, we'll link it below, so you can go and check it for yourself. But the National Labor Relations Act in 1935 was one of the first federal documents to use the term affirmative action to correct unfair labor practices, while the Public Works Administration temporarily followed racial proportional hiring practices, which were dismantled at the end of World War II. It wasn't until John F. Kennedy issued an executive order in 1961 requiring affirmative action to counter employment discrimination among federal contractors with specific attention to race that affirmative action was institutionalized. So, this is what, like you said, like we're talking about, affirmative action was one of the biggest things in the, in the 60s because of the the you know aspects of discrimination. However, affirmative action was ambiguous, referring at the very least to federal contractors taking a, a step or a gesture to the opposition of discrimination against groups of people. Like we discussed in the beginning, it wasn't race. It, it, it started with race, but to define it, they defined it vaguely, which could include white women. So, in general, women today are more educated and make up more of the workforce than ever before, in part because of affirmative action policies. 
Indeed, from the tech industry to publishing, diversity has emerged as an overwhelming increase in the presence of white women, not necessarily people of color. So, how old is this article? This article? This article is new, bro. This article is... So, so, so what are they saying? May 15, 2016. Okay, so no, that's not that new, actually. Nah, it's like... This is mid. Yeah, eight years ago. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's updated. It's updated. So this is updated from 2023. June 29th is when it's last updated. This podcast is brought to you by Nyorai Sellers. If you didn't know, Nyorai Sellers is the only black-owned wine company in Canada. Right now, I'm holding the rosé, the 2021 rosé bottle. This drink is amazing. I mean, it's perfect for those dishes such as seafood where you're cooking shrimp, you're having some pasta, whatever it is you're having, grab a bottle of Nyorai Cellars, the rosé. If you're having a date night with your significant other, you know what to grab, grab the Nyorai. Whatever it is, grab the Nyorai. I mean, you will not go wrong with this wine. It's perfect for everybody. If you've never drank wine, this is a great bottle for you. Or even if you're a wine expert, you're an aficionado and you drink everything. I mean, you cannot go in your eye. I'm telling you, this wine is really, really good. And even though I'm boosting it this hard, it's because I really love drinking it and I'm someone who loves to drink wine. So whatever it is, whatever the special occasion, check on your eye. They have Sauvignon Blancs. They have Rieslings. I'm holding the Rosé right now. They have a wide variety of different collections of different wines you can choose from. Make sure to check them out. The link is going to be in the description Check them out, order a crate for yourself, or you can uh, send a gift to someone that you want to gift um, some wine to. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. So in your rye sellers, check them out. Link will be in the description. And now back to the show. So, all right. So do you feel white women are at disadvantage today? With everything you know, let's start there. Do you think white women are at disadvantage? No. Why? I think they actually are quite advantaged, but I think the tide has turned. Because, for example, university was predominantly male-dominated. Now it's predominantly woman-dominated, you know. So I think the tide has turned. And in our, but here's the thing, is that in our work environments, it's not, I work in marketing, you work in tech a lot of times when you, when you were working in, in corporate America. But that is not a true reflection of all of corporate America. So in our, in my environment, I was hired by a woman in my in my last corporate America job, and was fine with it. And the manager was woman, but I don't, I don't know if that's a reflection across the board with America. Okay. You know. So if your argument is based on fairness, you know everyone goes through, which promotes that people from a marginalized community get opportunities. How should those people who are, let's say, of the majority? AKA white. Like some more? Please. How should they feel like when they work their asses off and they don't get ahead? And they get their opportunities provided. They get their opportunities given to people who might not have worked as hard as they did. Or maybe they have similar qualifications. And even though they have better, more qualifications, maybe let's say two years in this scenario, they get selected over them. How should they feel? Listen. Because it's not fair, right? Because if we're saying this is the thing. It's not fair when the people that were marginalized get the leg up. That's what that's what you're saying, and that's where I disagree. Because here's the thing, here's the thing. Bring it back to black and white. Do you think the black people and the white people have the exact same broad topsy? 
<laughs> in other words, it's autopsy. It's autopsy. No, I mean, like, look, like, you seen Red Isaac? Thank you. Isaac gives them not. Yeah. Um, do they have the same autopsy? Like, let's say in Canada. In Canada, in America, do you think that black kid and that white kid had the exact same advantages growing up as? And actually, no. You know, let's focus on America because America is where it incepted from do you think a black kid and a white kid have the exact same autopsy in each country let's 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 talk about it in this era for the 2000s right you have the exact same opportunities it's you a do big statement you have the same opportunities as a white kid i for example i can put on myself right even you too bro you like you grew up in like in, in like a, in a middle class kind of environment Correct. I've had all. You've had all. I've had all. Well, you've you've tasted the middle class for sure as of late. For sure. I grew up in a middle class environment. So what I'm saying is this: if you're comparing two guys or two girls who grew up in a similar environment in the 2000s era, they definitely have the same access to equal opportunity. I'll tell you why. For example, before I go and tell you why, I grew up in a city called Sarnia. In, in southwest Ontario. When I immigrated from Nairobi in 2003, we lived in Toronto, lived in North York for about three years, then moved to Sarnia from 06, and I went to lived there until grade 12, did everything. Insights into how I grew up in that city, it's a predominantly white town. Like, right now, there's a lot more black families, a lot more Indians and Asians, but in 06, there was a handful of like black families, like you knew it. Did I ever face any racism uh, at the time? Like. Like objective racism? No. In school, where kids or anything were like looked upon as some sort of like, oh wow, let's give him, uh, let's make it easy for him because he is maybe not a smart. But we don't. We think he's not capable of. That we should push him towards maybe like lower classes, like apply or whatever. No, that was completely opposite. In fact, my teachers, guidance counselor, like, no, like take it. You can do it. Challenge you. Uh, did I have a hard time making friends with kids who have predominantly grown up with just white people around them? No. My mom worked at the bank. Pretty visible. She still works there. She, to this day, uh, has never faced any some sort of like racism or any type of thing. So the environment that we grew up, which is like a southwest Ontario town, which you would think is something that's racist. I never faced anything like such as that. You know, so when I say, yo, oh, and have you ever experienced any racism, like blatant racism to your face? I'm like, man, I grew up in like one of the whitest towns in, in, in Ontario, and I still didn't face anything like that. Like where someone was like, yo, we don't, or I'm looking down, like, but man, I, and I did everything. I worked in the mall, I worked in like bougie coffee shops near my house during school, nothing, bro. You know, so the opportunities that I had and all the other, like, let's say white kids had, I had the same thing and I still did well. I never felt as if I was lacking, right? So I can imagine this for someone who grew up in America in the 2000s era, like you in, a, in like a certain neighborhood, they're the same neighborhood, went to a local high school, you played football, you have the same access to classes, you have the same uh, ability to work hard and do the best that you can. and. You know, understand every action that I take is my responsibility. Like I am, I am governing myself. 
I can only do me because I'm going to do me because I'm relying on myself to make it. Not because I see myself as I'm black or whatever, that everything is against me. I have everything. I have every opportunity to say, man, I'm in such a white town. Anything that comes against me, I can point to, to yeah, it's because it's racism. I, it's, it was an easy out, but instinctively, like the way you say intuition, you see the way people switch up on you as soon as you walk in the room. I never felt like that. And I never seeked it or anything. Even when I, maybe it's just, maybe this is like a personal thing. It's like, maybe because I see myself as like, I can compete on merit. I never look at myself like as, if I don't get anything, it's because of my, it's my skin color. And maybe it's because I think like that because of where I grew up and what I saw, I was like, man, that's the last thing I'm gonna think about because if I don't get shit here, like, man, all my life I grew up in that environment and I did okay and I never faced anything. So why am I going to use that excuse now to say I didn't get that job because um, I'm, like, black or whatever? So that's the thing. So when I look at that scenario and I look at two kids raised in a similar middle-class environment, you're still going to you, – you, you have the same access to opportunity. That's what I'm trying to say. You can go to school. You choose the direction you want to go in life. You decide where you want to be. And when you make that decision and you work yourself as hard as you can and you do your best to be involved in network, how could you not succeed, bro? You know, mm-hmm. as black people today, there's nothing holding you back bro, to, to, to getting in certain rooms. You just got to not even biases in the in, for me. But bro, biases exist. I, I can say I have a bias like I, I can say I'm a bias against any certain group. I can say, yo, an Arab guy walking on a plane. Instinctively, you have a bias, for sure. I go, yo, he's going to blow up the plane because you're being conditioned like that. Um, Boom. So, all right. So, so you, there's you, a bias for, for for brown people, you know, people from the Middle East yeah. when they get on planes. Yeah. Gosh, you. But that doesn't affect their jobs as much. Yeah. What, what does it do like, to affect so, their jobs? So, if there's that same bias systematically for people of color black people to get into jobs and if someone's addressing that bias to eradicate it wouldn't that be beneficial so that bias what is the bias specifically that they're not smart enough to do the job that is that's probably one of the stereotypes so so they see us black people not capable that's a stereotype that's a real stereotype that actually happens in reality even though they are you know they're qualified so they so so you're saying across all uh, like in general, from the from the stat that that we just mentioned earlier, okay. people see black names and assume that they are not qualified as white names. So that means there's an issue with the HR people because if, yes, if, if, so 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 that means like it's an HR problem, not like a quali- uh, a candidate problem. Exactly. So the issue is not like a race thing. It's like, who are these people hiring? Exactly. It's not like you're saying, yo, like, okay, so if it's just black names, so that means if I switch and I go in, I'm still going to be turned away even though I body the interview? It's not just, it's getting called in. So, so, what, what do they see about black names? That is we so just bad. said it earlier. There's a stereotype that people think that black people are not as qualified as white people. Even though they can see the qualifications right there. Exactly. That is ridiculous, bro. But, but it's, it's the reality. reality. So just because my name is Tyrone and Lakeisha, they think that 
I'm not capable to do the job. Correct. So, bro, there's there's been many Keisha's. There's been many of people course. who've gone ahead. Of course. There's a girl named Marijuana that's gotten ahead. So, so in that case, so you're saying people with a name like Lakeisha, 10 jobs you apply to, eight of them are going to turn you down because you have a name like Lakeisha. Correct. So 80% of the time you're going to get. I don't know the exact number, but it's a, but from the stat that we just read, there's actual data to back up that people are getting denied because of their names. And I want to say this too. In America, there is the, the government has had a concentrated effort to put black people down. There has been the Tuskegee experiment where black people were shot up with syphilis. There has been redlining. There has been crack being sold in communities to fund the Nicaraguan war, literally funding drugs in the black community that takes black men off of the street and puts them in jail. One in eight black men are put in jail and then it makes them 10 times less likely to get a job. And the marketing of black men in America is seen as more hostile, more angry, and same thing with black women too. So with that marketing being placed for years down the line, the effects of that is still present today. And without that being addressed, there is nothing that's being done to eradicate the efforts that was done throughout history. So affirmative action or an action needs to happen. The critique with affirmative action is that the bar should not be lower between each person. So the narrative of merit being lesser with black people or with every marginalized community is not present. That's the thing. It should be feeling like an exchange program and not a lesser than program. And that's the biggest critique of affirmative action. So let's look at that. You said a lot of black men, they're seen as hostile. They're seen as loud and everything. So you're, you're taking away that no black people have a, a part to play in that, that that's completely false, that they, the image that they've, that is seen, that there's no ounce of facts in that, that, that exists within the community. So I talked about a lot. I just said that the government has had a concern, concern, concentrated effort. Why can't I see concern today? A concentrated effort to put down the black community from the different experiments to the drugs being put in the black community. So there's different things that's been put to dismantle it and the over-policing of it as well. So when you're put in that predicament, of course there's going to be effects that, that happen. And there's cultural aspects of black people that are more boisterous, of course, but that doesn't mean that they're less educated, that they're you know um, less determined or less eloquent when it comes to performing a job. They can still be very professional. Can you say that the reality of what exists, that let's say not all black people are boisterous, there's many black people that come into into this country or even in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That they, the, the, what they promote. So this is so if you so in that argument, you're saying people who view TV, they don't have the capacity to be like, okay, they're just showing me this image, but you know, I have friends who are black and they're not like this. Like, I'm not going to really look at that. So you're saying that every person who sees black people on TV, that is immediately what they think about black people. When you control the media, you can control how people think. And unfortunately, there has been stereotypes that have been drilled into people for years that hasn't left. Bro, the KKK members that were present throughout Martin Luther King's era didn't get reprimanded. They had kids. 
and that thought process went down from kid to kid. There, there was no, think about that. There was no people reprimanding people's mindsets, bro. But bro, you're acting as if like in that mindset, you're moving as if that that is forever gonna stay. As if like the intensity of that situation is always gonna be prevalent in 2025, 20, 6, 7, 8, 9, 30, 40, until even when we're grown ass guys in our 40s and 50s, that this will still exist. I am not ignorant to say that, oh yeah, we can get, I'm not saying here like racism doesn't exist. I know it exists. But what I'm saying is that the more we focus on just race first and not actually taking agency and actually our own, controlling our own image, if we know that's the image and we know that there's like a negative image about um, like the community. What are we doing to make that better? You know, what are we doing to like put ourselves in a position to, I mean, right now we are like, look at the, the, the EYLs, the, the education, like the whole, we're coming together, right? So there is like a, a, a path forward, but I'm saying that there has to come a time where we just have to, understand this is what happened and the era that we're living in right now people don't have the same mindset as they did like we look at white people around us a majority of them are friends they are neighbors they're very friendly they're cool they're anything they don't have that same mindset that might have existed back in the time so to approach every situation from like a race first mindset is very dangerous especially for future generations coming because they're growing up, and let's say when we have children, that's like 20, 40, uh, 45, like we're teaching them to, okay, race first, and like you are, uh, this thing's against you, when that stuff happened so long ago, and it's okay to acknowledge that it happened. But at some point, you have to be like, you know what, that happened. People, the, the community around us, is it's moved on. We acknowledge it, we pay tribute to it. But to put crutches and these certain parameters for the marginalized communities it just has to stop at some point and we have to like just collectively come together and and do things to uplift ourselves and not see ourselves as a race that's always being oppressed because when is it going to be over when the kids that we grow up with don't even grow up in the same environment they don't see us like that you know what i'm saying like when is that when is that going to end that's my thing. It's just like, yes, it happened. Yes, that stuff, it, it hurts. But the more we continue taking on that pain and passing it on to kids, kids who are not even born yet, and like, yeah, you're struggling through this when the people we grew up with, they don't even acknowledge that for us. We're like, yo, like, yeah, you're Alex. You're a marketer. You're great. I respect you. Like, you are capable. Like, I, I like you for who you are. It's not like, oh my God, Alex, I'm going to look down on him. He's black. Oh, he's, he's, no, they're not thinking like that, bro. You know? So that's my thing, man. It's just like, yes, it happened, bro. We can't continue putting this down to our future generation, bro. And, and put these parameters and, and make them feel as if like they're always lesser than the people around them. No one said they're lesser than. No, lesser That's than. for sure. But, but just like as a community, when we focus on this first, it, it removes that like com compete level like where it's like we have to feel as if like we disagree what do you disagree with? i think it should be merit first yeah never dis never uh 
disagreed with that. So, so why, did, be, why did you bring up the, like the, the Tuskegee? Because it had nothing to do with what we're talking about. No, it has everything to do with what we're talking about. The Tuskegee experiment was administered by the government. The crack in the hood was administered by the government. Uh, uh, affirmative action was administered by the government. So these are all things administered by the government. So when you look at what the government has done, literally, you know, di- avoiding the contract that was supposed to be put in place to govern its people, and then saying, "All right, we mishandled the people, so we need to do something to put those people back in line of what we did wrong." redlining there's literally been things that have been put in place to put black people back so it's hold on hold on hold on it's not that long ago that's that's what you're missing that things still happen to this day that to to this day bro if you put black photos in a house and, and that the value of it will go down or not be as high as if it was white photos that there's there's been lawsuits because people are devaluing homes this is real things that's happening to this day. And pretending that it doesn't exist is that pretending that George Floyd was 15 years ago when it was three. This is the reality, fam. So, so it's like, I wish, I wish it could be only merit. But nepotism is very real. There's so much thing that's super real when it comes to this. And I hate to do this, but we got we to gotta work towards wrapping up soon. <laughs> we got to. Right, first off, I don't know what you guys think. Please come and blow your, your thinking. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm not wrapping it up. All right, I'm going to get your last points off. So, so Owen, listen, merit first, then diversity second. Why is, why is diversity even a thing, bro? Because it's a reality. Having Thinking that diversity isn't real is like saying, I'm going to marry Indian woman for the next five years and see how that goes out. Yeah, but like what I'm saying is it's like to always think, yeah, I'm diverse, that I should... If we're the same qualifications, you should just take me because I'm, I'm I'm a diverse guy. No, never said that. So, so what never said so that. I'm saying merit first, being qualified for the job first. But dude, like both of them are coming at the job with merit because they're both qualified. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, so diversity second. So in that case, it's always it's diversity takes precedence over merit, and that's, that, that's not true. Because diversity is second to the merit. If the merit's first, then it's the best person for the job first. Whoever's qualified for that job first, then it's diversity factors after that. So, so in that case, you have Jake and you have Jamal. Mm-hmm. Both qualified. Both qualified. Take Jamal. Take Jamal. Why take Jamal, bro? Because Jamal is from America and the government specifically... It's like, it's like aboriginals for example should aboriginals be or indigenous people my apologies to the indigenous community should indigenous people have access to grants because they suffered for years because they have been pillaged of their land yes but bro the the in that case what does jake do then Jake goes for other opportunities because Jake has a good opportunity when it comes to him because he's a white man. But He'll the, be all right. But the thing Jake is, will be fine. You're, you're, you're propping white people as like these guys who always have opportunities all the time. So like the stats is just read that 50% of people will have a higher chance of getting hired. Just bruh. That that's a that's doing a disservice to black people, bro. Why is it give, being, giving them because disservice? Because they're still qualified for the job. It's not like they're not qualified. But it's always it's always like putting like okay. 
the white guy is always above you at all times. Why are they above you? Because you just said right there, like, no, I said there's a bias, not because they're above you. There's a bias. Okay. Bias and above is two completely different okay, things. Okay, so in that case, so why are you giving the job to Jamal then? Because the government has done previous things in the past. In the past, guy. Yes, that still affects people to, to, to this day. Does it affect you, bro? Yes. How? I just told you how. But, bro, it doesn't stop you from getting opportunities. I, I just I just told you how it has stopped me from getting opportunities. It has been a hurdle that I've climbed over, and I still go for no, it and you get it. Personally, bro, not us. People in the past, like yo, they they did what they could do to get us here, bro. And to, for us to continue this, like we grow up, we get married. Let's say we have families. The guys who we grew up with, they do not grow up. The, the people we're going to be hiring, the people like us, the guys we grew up with, they're not going to be having yeah, like. We got to take the diversity guy. Like, sorry, sorry, Jake. It doesn't exist, bro. That's you think racism is going to die? Racism is not going to die until we stop actually focusing on racism all the time. I wish that was true, but you could tell that to, um, what's his name, Morgan Freeman, when he sponsored that school in, in Mississippi and then to sponsor their prom. And you know what they did? They had a white-only prom and then uh, um, desegregated the black prom. There's a reality, bro. It's unfortunate. I I wish I wish it could be as as it, you know kumbaya as you're saying it. But the reality is, bro, there's biases in the real world, and people will act on those biases and stop people from getting jobs, getting houses, and getting opportunities. So putting things in place so that doesn't happen is a benefit for the community. It's it's a cold world out here for sure. And just because it's a cold world doesn't mean, like, we got to put these things... We, bro, regardless of those parameters and whatever, it, does, it's, it doesn't do anything. So, bro, so HBCU should dis- disappear then? So, no, it should not disappear. Why? Like, why not? Why should HBCU still, still be in service? Okay, so, like, but the thing is, why, if in that case, if we have our own schools, why do we keep trying to get into these... Things and like, oh yeah, it's but why do, we need, why do we need them though? There's no reason for HBCUs anymore because there's equal opportunity throughout the throughout the world. So HBCUs should all be disintegrated. I'm not saying they should be disintegrated. I mean, you can dissolved. Still, you, can, right. you can still be alive for sure, but I'm saying why? But why? Why should why should they exist? Yeah, I'm not saying they should exist. They should still keep. Should still be there. Why? Because of there have been institutions that were started back in the time, and just to like okay, stop schools. They're there. Because of what happened at that time, so so no, so it's no longer relevant. It's it's not relevant at all. Bro. So we should get so we should get rid of them. You could if you want to, bro. So I'm asking you, should we get rid of HBCUs? In that case, if that is the case, we're trying to like compete on merit, and you can go to any university at all. Actually, yeah, I actually do believe we should get rid of it. Should get rid of HBCUs. Genuinely speaking, we could if we want to, but mm. hey, yo, still continue the the, the culture. Mm. You know, so still so continue the culture, mixed school, white people, black people, HBCUs, white people right now should should all go to Howard University, Hampton U, the real HU. Yeah, when when did white people were not allowed to come to HBCU? I never said they couldn't, but I said it should be just as equal. Yes, just just as desegregated. Yes, bro, that's my thing, man. Like, Got you. It 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 should me. It's I don't think about race first mindset, bro. I'm thinking, yo, I rate you. Yes, you're white. Yes, you're Indian whatever, I'm going to hire you, bro. Like, if we hire, like, three white guys, I'm like, dog, they're, they're, they're the guy for the job. Hire Isaac. He's the best man for the job, right? Fire the, the, the white guy. I'm like, it's based on skill. 
Never said it wasn't. See, you keep saying it's not. But listen, we got to wrap up. Listen, this is a great conversation, a good heated debate. Um, I loved We're going to continue this off mic because we got to wrap up. Our cameras are going to turn off any second. The hustle is what you can control. So control your grind and control your life. I'm Alex. I'm Owen, guys. <laughs> and he's pissed. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Make sure you visit hustleovereverything.co and cop some fire merch that we have in the store. And then we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>